This week's episode needs a little qualifier, you see. I had training that was scheduled for the latter half of this week, and that meant time constraints, but I still wanted to do my podcast episode. So what did I do? I had an, a, a practically an hour-long commute, so I took that opportunity and I recorded an episode of FritzCast on my phone, and that is what this episode's going to be. So I apologize for any of the audio that's about to come up. I'll see if I can edit out the car noises. I don't know. Let it out, let it out, hold on to me. Let it out, let it out, breathe, shout, scream. Let it out, let it out, hold on to me. This is Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the FritzCast. You can almost consider it a FritzCast fast lane because I am actually driving in the car right now on my way home uh, after a training session that I was attending downstate, and uh, this happens every once in a while. I get reassigned, and my my schedule gets a little flipped upside down and back and forth and stuff. Uh, So I'm leaving Dover right now. Uh, it's 3.45 in the afternoon. Did I mention what today's date is? It's Thursday, Thursday, August 23rd, 2018. Very odd for me to be recording things on a Thursday, but Friday I have to come back for the final day of the training session, and I won't get out until about 2.30 or 3 o'clock. That'll put me home with my wife in the afternoon and to not sacrifice any more of the day that I normally have off with her. Decided to do the podcast now. Uh, because I'm a smart husband and a caring husband and a loving husband, among other things. So uh, there's there's going to be a couple of topics to talk about. For this week's edition, it might be a little bit shorter than norm, uh, and that's okay. It happens. I'll make up for it. I have a YouTube channel. I have blogs that I got to write. I got a bunch of other stuff that I can incorporate and do, and, and so uh, believe you me, there, there will be a makeup. But this week is, is, like I said, up in the air. Um, if you've listened to past episodes before, you know I'm a field training officer for my department, and I have been for quite some time now, two years, maybe three, pushing it. Um, I've almost been three years a sergeant, so that's that's how long I've been doing the training program, at least anyway. But all that training program that I was doing at my facility was like, you know, I'd consider it more of a... Uh, like the grassroots, man. It was the grassroots effort that helped pave the way for better things and, and, and more department-wide things. So that's what, that's the training that I'm at now. It's the, the whole field training thing is a now implemented department-wide, and we're all getting trained to be uh, field training officers under the new guidelines of the program so you might be sitting there saying hey you've been in fto for a while why would you want to go to a training uh again to do something that you've been doing it's because it's a little bit different it's a little bit restructured it's more it's a more vital and more crucial and more important role now and also if i get assigned training i go i go it gets me out of the prison why wouldn't i take just a little bit of extra time out of the prison 
for training for something that's a little more not hectic like that like the building can get so that's what I did I didn't have any issues uh, with it popping up Uh, yes it does kind of suck away my Friday but when I have the evenings off I don't really feel like work is taking anything away from me hey I hate to say that but working 4 to 12 that's 4 to 12 is the social hour that's the it's that's the time that people are normally gathered together. And I've reached the point in my job where I'm, I'm tired of working four to midnight, yet it pays me like something 5% shift differential and whatnot. But I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting around to go to work and then going to work and being there all night and then coming home at midnight hitting bumps in the road. I'm about to go through the easy pass lane. Um, I hate I hate working overnight anymore. Um, it was something that didn't used to bother me. I, I I was well acclimated to it. It's not so good for your home life. It's not good for family. It's not good for a lot of things. And I give a lot of power and strength to people who work off hours like that. Um, I would love to get... If, if I could have things my way, I would... I would set my schedule back to what I used to do, the schedule that I used to have, which was uh, like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. It was 6.30 to 2.30. 6.30 a.m. to 2.30 in the afternoon. It was a pain in the butt waking up at 5.30 in the morning to get ready for that 6.30 uh, check-in at work. But by the time that you were done work at, at 2.30... Uh, it was, you had a whole day ahead of you, it felt like. You had a whole day ahead of you, and I didn't go to sleep until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Same as I do now. I don't go to bed until midnight, midnight 30, uh, or 1 o'clock in the, in the worst case scenarios. I, I, that's just, I'm normal to that. I'm normal to staying up until at least 11 o'clock, just back from my high school days. And in my high school days, it was more or less like going to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't do that anymore. I can't pull that one off. So working midnight to 8 would be completely out of the question because I would die. I would die. There would be no, there'd be nothing. There would be nothing. I would die. So uh, in the meantime, I can't switch up my schedule. I can't snap my fingers, but it... it the, the, the training block, at least, you know, it was a nice switch up. It gives me a couple of days off or a couple of evenings off. And when that happens, uh, you know, I'm a much happier person. So maybe I can make moves to make that just a, a tad more permanent in my life. But we'll see about that. So that, that that's the shakeups that have happened this week. And in the coming weekends, it's going to be shaken up a bit more because, uh, I got to seriously, with with the help of my wife's contractor uncle, uh, we, we got to push and, and really do work on the flooring in the house to finish it all up and bring it to a close, which is uh, what I intend to do, what we intend to do. So that'll suck up some free time as well. Uh, but that's expected and it's much needed. Uh, and one, once I'm done that, I'll have my, my house will be back. My house will be made great again.
uh, Haga, if you will. Speaking of Trump, uh, the, the last couple of days have been the, the, the big takeaway, the big breakout, the big breakthrough uh, with uh, Paul Manafort being found guilty of, I believe it was eight out of the 18 charges against him, all, all involving tax evasion and fraud and, and things of that nature. Paul Manafort, of course, was uh, tr- uh, then-candidate Trump's uh, chairman for his election committee. Uh, so everything that he was actually taken in for and, and charged for actually really has nothing to do with Trump so much. Not not anything that I can read. Uh, he, he, he did violate federal standards and law, and, and he got sentenced for that. And that's Paul Manafort. And Donald Trump is uh, on Twitter, on the news, uh, touting uh, Manafort's loyalty. Yay. Manafort's a great guy. He didn't break. He still backs me. I feel very bad for him. Uh, I would pardon him. I know I might I'm I would pardon him. I might actually pardon him uh, because he's a really great guy and I think uh, I don't think he broke the law and I, I think that uh, that he didn't hurt anybody and he's a good man. So Manafort, uh, that was a, a a key takeaway I guess in the Mueller investigation. Uh, the investigation of Manafort, I believe, had no ties to the Russia investigation. Uh, and that's where the news media—that's where the news media is getting very hairy on this whole topic. Um, I don't believe it had anything to do with the Russian investigation. And think that you know maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe uh, the, the the fact that it doesn't directly tie into the Russian investigation doesn't matter because it's a victory for Mueller in any case. Uh, it makes Mueller's team look good. They're getting convictions. They're, they're getting the dirty work done, and it builds into the bigger picture, I suppose. But here's the thing. How many times are we going to go through one of Trump's former such-and-suches going to court and, and getting convicted and acting surprised about it? I, I talked about this last week. The, the, the tables that can be turned in Trump for anything isn't surprising— isn't going to phase anybody's opinion of the man at all. It's really not. Now, before I even dive in further to this, uh, Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, uh, is now now, now appearing to flip on Donald Trump. I mean, Cohen went on the campaign trail, stumped for for Trump even, uh, for his, his client, if you will. And uh, what, what happened uh, over the past couple of weeks, maybe the past month or so, information and details have been leaked out uh, during, these, during this uh, information collecting from, from Robert Mueller's team. Michael Cohen uh, produced an audio recording between him and Trump talking about cash money being used to pay out uh, a certain somebody. It didn't name names. Uh, Trump is not actually named in the tape, but you can hear his voice. And uh, you can definitely hear talks of using cash money to pay out. Uh, Allegedly, I believe it was either Stormy Daniels or the other former Playboy star. Yes, the other Playboy star, Karen McDougal. Uh, McDougal, if you don't 
recall the details, McDougal was paid out uh, $160,000 from a company called AMI uh, that bought exclusive rights to her story about her affair with Donald Trump years ago in which she, you know, says that multiple times, many times, multiply they had uh, intercourse and relations of the sexual nature. And that was out there. And and under the guise of the AMI deal, the $160,000 that was paid by AMI for exclusive rights to her story, that came with an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, that she wouldn't talk to anybody else about it. And that was a legal binding contract. And they said that they would promote her, I believe, as like a fitness... uh, blogger or a fitness uh, contributor to their magazine, but they never did that. They never posted the story. It was $160,000 that they bought it for. They never posted the story, never talked about the story, and I don't even think they even published her or any writing for her whatsoever. So she fought it on legal grounds and ended up winning, but this uncovered the fact that Cohen had arranged payments to both Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels uh, and just just the other day uh, just the other day Michael Cohen, I'm mixing up names now I almost said Robert Mueller uh, just the other day Michael Cohen pled guilty uh, to to doing to, to making out these payments and uh, it passed it off by saying that he was directed by Trump to do it uh, which is trying to pass off. This is the this is the crazy bit. Paying off people for your sexual misadventures with money uh, for everything that I can tell doesn't really tie into campaign finance. Uh, from what I can tell, Donald Trump is now claiming that he paid every dime of the hush money to Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. That's what he's saying. Cohen is saying that he used his own money at the direction of Trump for which he was reimbursed, which is documented. There is documentation of Cohen receiving funding from, I believe, Trump's campaign financing committee, which Donald Trump paid a lot of his own money into his financing committee. Which then, this is the moral argument we're having now. We're having a moral argument over whether or not it was lawful for Donald Trump to either direct Michael Cohen to make payments out as hush money for two people that he stooped, that he slept with. I probably did not use that word accurately. I don't care. I can't go back and edit it. So we're, we're just going to stick with it. But this, this is the argument we're having. We're having an argument about whether or not it was lawful for Trump to pay these women money to shut up about the affair during the election. That's what we're talking about. And mind you, the women freely accepted money uh, over, over the situation. They freely accepted dollar dollar bills until they figured out they could probably get more for it not accepting those dollar bills. You know, 
is it unlawful? I don't know if it's unlawful. From what I've uh, from what I've been reading up on and what I've been researching, I, I don't know that it is necessarily unlawful. But we all know that just because something isn't unlawful doesn't mean it's ethical or right. Just as if something is quote lawful doesn't mean it is ethical and right either. But the the, the end goal is the same. There's nothing to get excited about if you're an anti-Trumper hoping for Mueller to dig up something in the Russia investigation. There's really nothing here to talk about in terms of that. There's no juice, there's no meat, there's no potatoes there in what's going on right now, except for the fact that Cohen seems to be more inclined to talk to Mueller now and isn't friends with Trump, isn't buddy-buddy with Trump anymore. That's the key takeaway on this, is that he's not being friendly with him and that he's willing to play ball. And can is, is, there, any, is, is there anything illogical about that? Cohen's in trouble anyway. So he pleads guilty to rack away any possible ramifications for what he did. So he's going to play ball with Mueller. Because if he gives Mueller information that helps him out, whether or not it leads whether or not it leads to convictions or not, whether or not it advances this this supreme hope that the Democrats have for taking steps for impeachment of President Trump, Cohen's just doing what will help himself out is the way that I see it. And by the way, Democrats open for an impeachment. I don't think we're any closer to an impeachment after these two moves than we were four, five, six months ago. And nobody's surprised. Nobody is shocked. Nobody's opinion has changed on Trump. Anybody, if that's what you're looking for, if you're hoping for some big slam dunk thing that's just going to make everybody else 180 on Donald Trump, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're, you're, you're smoking too much from the pipe or you're living in a dream world. It's not going to happen. Trump's diehards don't care. All right. And this should not be shocking to people. All right. This is these are tapes were dug up on this man talking about how he loves to walk up to women and grab them by the pussy. OK, that's that's like peak unpresidential. Everybody wanted to argue about whether it was locker room talk or, or borderline sexual assault. No doubt the no doubt the act is sexual assault. No doubt the act is sexual assault. But this is what we have on Trump. This is the, everybody knows he has character flaws. That he is, for for lack of better terms, a terrible human being. Everybody knows this. Nobody, to my knowledge, is sincerely, seriously saying that Trump is a great person. Nobody. So that's the two big Trump stories that that drop. But really, I don't, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't doesn't add to the narrative, really. Just that Cohen's going to play ball now. All right? That's where we stand. That's where we stand with it.
Now, mind you, this too, uh, this just broke probably like two hours ago. Um, one of Trump's good personal friends who was involved in the deal with Karen McDougal in buying that story and, and shutting it up, brushing it under the rug, never letting it get published. I believe his name is Robert Pecker. Uh, if it's not Robert, his last name is Pecker. Unfortunately, in the story of sexual forays, we have a man with the last name of Pecker. Uh, and he has just been granted immunity by Robert Mueller to start spitting out information. Granted immunity, there is immunity. The Pecker is protected now. The Pecker is protected. That's where we stand with that story update. So that's that's Donald Trump in a nutshell for you. Have we really made any progress in the Russia investigation? Not really, because we have to see how this all ties into it. So it's just it's literally just more information. That's it. Literally. Now, uh, Glenn Beck had shared something the other day on Twitter that I really wanted to focus on for the uh, the closing of this uh, podcast episode today. Like I said, it might be shorter. Okay, so it's shorter, whatever. I still think I'm putting out good content, even if it sounds like I'm driving a freaking car, and that's probably not the best sounding thing. Uh, but in any case, thanks for hanging in there with me, folks. <laughs> I appreciate it. And like I said, we'll make up for it. But Glenn Beck posted something about some of the heavy-hitting top companies like Apple and Google and, and uh, other tech companies that are... Uh, are stripping away requirements for employees or prospective employees having um, college degrees. They're, they're doing away with requirements for that and hire, hiring more people without college degrees. And on the, on the surface of that, I really do have to, you know, give them a hand in that effort. Uh, in this world, the narratives that we're hearing, the, the talking points... Every democratic uh, socialist talking point that is democratic socialism, the people who uh, the people who so adamantly scream, we're not socialists, we're democratic socialists, all right? So we're not, we're not asking for a disparaging form of politics that kills a bunch of people and makes life suck. We're talking about one that we all voted on, uh, which makes it better, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, the talking point of democratic socialism, one of the big, and to me, it's a pandering, disingenuous thing. You have Bernie Sanders, you have uh, Alexandria Casio Cortez, um, and uh, other progressives getting up and saying, you know, I'll do this in Bernie voice because we need to give people tuition-free college uh, because uh, the spending for it is huge. People go into debt trying to get a higher education and become a better person in the world. And that's not right. Uh, we should push people through. We should make college tuition-free so that we can get even more people the higher education that is required uh, for life. I hate that. I hate that talking point. I hate that pushing point. Um, because it doesn't actually solve the problem. It doesn't tackle the real issue. And the real issue is they're pushing for this, for people to have easier access to college, 
to get a college degree because you need a college degree to have a better job. That is the argument. That's always been the narrative. That's always been the loan sharking technique of driving people to go to college, to scare people to go to college to give themselves a better life. Now, instead of scaring people about it, the government just wants to raise your taxes and make it... And I just want to be able to talk candidly about that. I mean, you know, everybody wants to wave a magic wand and get everybody off to college, you know? College and education and continuing that that sort of thing is, is a noble thing for somebody to want to do. It, education is important, but times have changed, all right? And like I said, I really do believe that we still live in a world of loan sharking techniques to scare people into going to college. And I think that that is wrong. People should not be scared to go into college. People should not be harped on in such a way like that to go to college. I will, I will applaud businesses dropping a college degree requirement, taking on the idea that people have merit without having to spend all that money and go to college to, to get a piece of paper that says that they're smart and they did something. I'm not saying that everybody that's gone to college has done that, but there was such a push for college and for college education and don't worry about uh, don't worry about how you're going to pay for it because the government's giving out loans. They'll help you get the money so that you can go to college and pay for it and not have to worry about it. And you'll have six months after you graduate before you even have to make a payment back. And even if you're having trouble then, you can still defer or you could just pay interest or you could do income-based and they'll work with you. And you'll have to pay. You'll have to pay off those loans for the rest of your life. I mean, that much is going to happen. And by the way, the degree is probably not going to land you a job paying you a lot of money. Uh, not, not nearly as much as you dumped into trying to get the piece of paper, at least anyway. That's not going to be what your yearly salary is. But, uh, you know, do it anyway. And don't worry about what, what you think you should do or what you think you should get your degree in because that stuff will come. Just go to school. That's how I, growing up, that's how college was presented to me. I don't know how it was presented to my peers, but that's always how college was presented to me. And I think it's deplorable, the fact that we've gone on for so long doing this. And that the solution, rather than looking at the overall scale of things and how more easy access to loans and money has driven up cost and sent more people to school and hasn't had the right payout, nobody's paying attention to that, and they're still taking out money and going to college, sometimes even not even knowing what they want to study or do. It's circumventing the problem. Don't bang a gavel and say, government's going to pay for college. It's going to be tuition-free so people don't have to worry about it. And that's going to help them. It's not really going to help anybody. It's not going to boost society and make better jobs. It's not going to do that. I've never felt like I have the degree and I don't have the better job. I can't fully complain about my job and I won't because I'm blessed to have a job. I take that as a blessing, but it's also something that I had to bust my hump to go out and earn. My job is not some job that can just be given to you. You have to go out and earn it. It's really hard. 
There's lots of physical requirements. There's lots of mental requirements. There's a lot of hard work and sacrifice that you have with a job like mine. But why aren't we cheering? Why, why isn't some new story like that of some of these big heavy-hitting companies taking away a hurdle for potential employees, realizing that, uh, that an employee, somebody might bring value to the table even if they didn't have the opportunity, the means, or, or the motive to go to college, to play the game. That's the game of society that we have built. College isn't a prerequisite for, for anything. And in this day and age, with greater information available at your fingertips on the very thing that I'm holding in my hand right now to record this podcast, you have access to more information than anybody in human history ever had before. Right in your fingertips. All you got to do is freaking Google it. That's it. You can learn anything you want at any time you want for practically no money because the information is out there. But we want to we want to pander to the mob. To me, that is such a pandering to the mob thing. It is a buzzword because it's already something that people are very apprehensive about or have already sunk themselves doing. And it's a shame that it's gone on this long and that people have sunk themselves into debt because of the way because of the way that the scheme was presented to them. So I will cheer companies for taking away hurdles like college degrees requirements for their employment. I will. I think that's a good move because I think people are more merited than what a college degree could say they did. Okay, so they went to college. What does it really mean? It means that they either took out or paid a lot of money, studied, and met the requirements and got a piece of paper. That's what a college degree is at the end of the day. That's what a college degree is. So check out that story. Check out uh, more on Mueller, on the Mueller investigation, Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort. Check that all out. Guys, that's going to do it for me for today, for this week. Uh, please, 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 please uh, follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. We're on YouTube now, FritzCast Podcast. Just search it. I'm FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com if you need to get in contact with me. And we have the FritzCast Freedom Store on Teespring. You can buy a T-shirt. I've sold some T-shirts already. You could be looking mighty fine and fancy and fighting for liberty in a brand new FritzCast T-shirt. You got 20 bucks to spend, don't you? Just just go check it out, all right? Guys, I love you. I promise I'll be putting out more content in the coming week, and it won't be recorded on my cell phone driving home from a training session. (laughs) I promise you that. All right? I do love you guys, and I'll see you next week.